Hello, this is Bitheads with Beneath the Basement. Um, I'm Lawful Goof, and I'm with Context Sensitive. And this time, we're gonna get funky. Everybody clap your Everybody hands. Everybody clap your hands. Clap, 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 clap your hands. Clap. Yeah. All right, now. <laughs> to the left. Um, yeah, so back, yeah, we're talking y'all. about genres. Game genres. Not genres, just genres are things that have to do with video games. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so you know what genres are, hopefully. If you don't, then just do a quick Google. Um, but my version, genres are ways to categorize games. And um, we're talking about which genres are good and bad, and which ones have some good games and bad games. And where they are, and how to make good games. Uh, we're just talking. That's kind of what we do. Just, just sort of a conversation, you know. Like genres, they, they uh, rise and decline in popularity, and uh, they merge and they switch around. They're real interesting. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about them. I'm gonna yep. sit, sit right here in my closet for an hour. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, um, I've got a list here of some, uh, I've got shooters, RPGs, adventure games, party games, puzzle games, Metroidvanias, quote-unquote, and platformers. Um, I'm gonna start at the top of the list, talk about shooters. Um, do you even like shooters? I'd say I, I can be, I can be a fan of a shooter. It just depends, because... The way the shooting genre is right now, more so how it was in the seventh gen, not how it is now in the eighth gen, but the way the the shooting genre has become it's beca- it was it became the most popular genre in the mid two thousands and it sort of stagnated so if you if you give me a, a basic call of duty or some sort of bland uh regular Nor- normie, I'd say, shooter. I probably wouldn't right. enjoy it. But that doesn't mean there aren't shooters I enjoy immensely. Like, I've always, I really want to try all the Dooms. Uh, I really adore Metroid Prime. Uh, <laughs> Uncharted. Uh, we should probably uh, clarify between different uh, subgenres, too. Like, I, I, I find myself gravitating toward more uh, third-person shooters, but uh, I, I, I do enjoy a couple first-person shooters. Uh, I love Uncharted. Right. Uncharted is great. Yeah, Uncharted and uh, ra- is Uncharted is Uncharted third person. Oh yeah, yeah, it's third person. Uh, do you count Ratchet and Clank as a third person shooter? Because uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, because we'll it it's uh, that's, no, that's another point of mine that genres uh, come together quite often in gaming. Like Ratchet and Clank is like a cross between a three D platformer and a third person shooter. It has a healthy mix of three D platforming uh, and adventuring and exploring. And a healthy dose of shooting and enemy types and variety and tons of fun guns. Right. But, uh, let's see. Um, other shooters I think I enjoy. Um, I played a little bit of yeah. Overwatch. I generally don't gravitate towards uh, multiplayer games. But oh, I, yeah, I forgot I, to put that on my list, multiplayer games. Well, multiplayer games... A game can be any genre and multiplayer is tacked on. That's the thing about game genres like it's more like a it, it's like do you fit into this category like this box and you can ha- be in multiple boxes at the same time 
like I said, Ratchet right. and Clank is a 3D platformer, and it's a first per- and it's a third person shooter. Like you, it's not like a like a horror like movie. It's not like this is a movie uh, meant to scare you. It's like this is a game where you platform, where you shoot, where you where you solve puzzles. And sometimes that means right, that I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like genres can, you can be multiple genres. Like uh, well, um, as far as shooters, um, I really like. Well, recently I just finished Super Hot in like two hours. Uh, that was really cool. Like, mm, excuse me. Like, it, you know, I, you've probably heard of it already. Time only moves when you move. That kind of stuff, which is like, you can do really cool stuff because of it. Like, I find myself not even using a weapon half the time. Like, well, I will use it. I'll take the gun, shoot a guy, throw the throw the gun at the guy, then grab his gun, then shoot him with the same gun, then turn around, throw it behind me, then grab a sword and cut him in half, and then cut bullets in half, throw the sword. It's pretty cool. And uh, the story's kind of creepy. That's the thing. That's, cool. That's the thing about shooters is that after we had basically nothing but Doom and Doom clones in the in the 90s, that was what the that was what the shooting genre was, but the shooting genre became so big that it became widespread, and uh, most big companies that wanted to make a, a shooter weren't going to make it because they thought they had a cool idea like time only moves when you move or like rocket jumping in a three D arena. Uh, that's Quake three D. Uh, it's more like uh, the shooters are popular, uh, gritty war shooters are popular, so let's make one of those. What I right. feel like the, I really like. Um... I think this goes without saying. I really like Call of Duty Modern Warfare uh, 2 and um the Medal of Honor. It was it was an older one, the the World War 2 one that they made like made it after they made it based off the movie Saving Private Ryan, but it was like really fun even though it was almost line for line. It was it was really fun. Don't bring up Saving P- Private Ryan around me. Uh f- war flashbacks. Uh not not going to specify, but past do with squirrels. <laughs> what? Uh, you'll 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 know soon enough. But uh, speaking of Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty is sort of the 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 peanut butter and, and jelly of a uh, the bread and butter of uh, games right now. And I feel like whatever game genre is the most popular is the one I'm going to gravitate towards the least. Like I'm <laughs> sure if I were born in the '90s, I would be so done with three platformers with cool, uh, outrageous, and uh, uh, rebellious. Uh, like just over the top attitudes, like Bubsy, uh, Gex the Gecko, just any any of that. So yeah, yeah like um, genres do switch around in their uh, in their uh, popularity a lot. Right. Like I feel like, like um, if uh, if Mario Bros hadn't been a platformer, then gaming would have evolved so differently because everything else on the NES would have been whatever Mario was. Like, if Mario was a shmup, then every... Imagine imagine if Mega, well, Mega Man as a shmup wouldn't be that weird, but, like, imagine Castlevania as a shmup. Imagine, imagine like... Oh, what's another game for the NES? Um, imagine Battletoads as sorry, a shmup. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that last thing. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of NES games. <laughs> imagine Battletoads as oh, a shmup. Oh, okay. <laughs> um... See, um, I also kind of like shoot 'em ups, but not really at the same time, um, because like they 
they hold my attention for a bit, but um, they're not, you know, I can't really stay engaged for very long. Like, Cuphead is a recent one that everyone knows about. It's super, it's super well made, and I get they put a whole lot of effort into it, and it looks amazing, and I, I appreciate the effort, and I bought the game, you know, pay my respects and all that, but I just, I can't beat it. <laughs> it's, it's not fun to me anymore. I had fun for a couple hours, but now I'm tired of it. <laughs> well, Cuphead's not really a shmup, though. Uh, Cuphead's a rum and gun, more of a boss rush type of game. By shmup, I meant, like, you're flying around shooting, going in a straight line, like, you've seen, like, Choaniki, uh, right, like, not, not, like, uh, dude, there's so many different subgenres, man, like, if we're talking rail shooters, I love me some Star Fox, uh, mm. going back to the shooter thing, and if you want to count, like, Mega Man as a shooter, like, the lines are, are very, not very defined, uh, when it comes to game genres, like, you could probably argue yeah. that, like, I don't even know, checks, checks, what's that, what's that, uh, game they boxed with like check cereal that was just doom but with a spoon and the enemies were checks what <laughs> you never heard what? Of that what like uh the checks company like doom was really uh, controversial when it first came out right right so checks mix was like all right guys i got it we're, we're gonna make kids want to buy checks by putting a disc of a, of a complete copy of the pc game doom in it but you're gonna play as commander checks or, or something and you have a spoon, and all the enemies are checks, and like, are like made of like checks mix, or like the check cereal. Or I hate the word checks now. Like, mm. <coughs> uh, and you, you like, it's like a shooter, but like instead of like, like shooting, you like scoop them up with your spoon, and like it's just so weird. Yeah, that doesn't sound very fun. I don't know if, it, huh. if it's if it's based off of Doom, it's probably it's probably pretty good because the original Doom I've heard is spectacular. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, I really I, want to play it. I feel like I would love that series. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the port on the Switch. To the, like, the original Doom or the 2016? No, 2016. Oh, okay. I want to play. Well, I don't want to play Doom three, but I do want to play uh, Dooms one, two, and four as soon as I'm uh, old enough. Because I've heard yeah. I've heard there um, some of the best shooters uh, in the industry today. I have a question. Um... What genre is the Legend of Zelda? That's that's the thing in it. That's the that's the the elephant in the room. Yeah. The RPG, was... the RPG genre. What is an RPG? Mm. Because there are is turn-based it RPGs. There because are, I mean, I'd it doesn't argue... have that numbers system. So you can't. I mean, there's no leveling up type thing. You know. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I feel like RPG is the games is the, the game genre that is what you are if you don't obviously fit into something else like you're not a point and click obviously you're not a you're not a shooter you're not a platformer well uh you're engaging in a story and you're engaging in a world well that means you're playing a role so it's a role-playing game but Hmm. there are so many different types of role-playing games that we've had to split them up into so many different categories there are turn-based turn-based role-playing games there are strategy role-playing games there are real-time strategy role-playing games there are numbers. action RPGs where numbers are less important compared to your overall skill, but they still use numbers like Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is, is an RPG. Right. It has numbers up the wazoo, but it's still an action RPG, and it feels way different than Final Fantasy VII, which is also an RPG made by the same company, but has nothing to do with actual skill. It's all about grinding and numbers and managing your team and 
and gr- and grinding and making sure all you have all the best equipment. Yeah, I I get what you mean. My favorite example of an uh like a hard numbers based RPG is the Fallout games, more specifically Fallout Three and New Vegas. I mean, Fallout One and Two are fine. I mean, they do the same thing as far as the numbers and the strategy and stuff like that. But I like Fallout Three and Four, uh, Fallout Three and New Vegas, not Four as much. Uh, Fallout Three and New Vegas because they're a numbers RPG that have you engaging in the world in a unique way, while at the same time has that little bit of the shooter, like go in, blow stuff up with a nuclear bomb type vibe going on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Real fun. Are they that much of an RPG though? Because like, hmm. could you hypothetically say like, I could beat that whole game at level one because the shooting, or is it just like, no way? It's it's a, this is straight up numbers RPG. If you don't grind, you're not gonna live. Yeah, it's it's the if you don't grind, you're not gonna live. Fallout Four is different because to me they watered it down in favor for the shooting, which is which was really disappointing because they're like catering to the mainstream to try and sell as much as possible, but. That's why I like Fallout 3 in New Vegas so much, because you're actually playing your own role instead of being a father and a husband and a war veteran and all that stuff. In Fallout New Vegas, you're a, you're a courier who just got shot in the face, so you can either seek out revenge or forget about it. I mean, the world's going to hell anyway, so it's I, I really like the, Fallout, the first few Fallout games because of that. Hmm. That's That's a good point, you know. Uh, sh- radically shifting genres in like a in a game in a game series like back in the nineties for the in the N sixty four PlayStation Sega Saturn uh, generation uh, most every game series had to transition to three D. I think the only one that didn't was Kirby. And Kirby was just like, nah, dude, I'm not risking that. We're gonna give you uh, we're gonna give you uh, combining powers, and that's all you're getting. It is it is 2D. Uh, I mean, it's got some good music and multiple playable characters, but Kirby 64 could be done on the SNES. But uh, well, we get, we got Kirby Riders with the GameCube. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, we had a Kirby uh, Tilt and Tumble uh, for the for the Game Boy Color. <laughs> Mm, that game was revolutionary with the motion controls <laughs> on the Game Boy. Mm, Man, I love that game. I've never played it. You know, you can play it. You can play it on the GameCube uh, because the the motion sensing is in the cartridge. So you put the cartridge into the Game Boy player in the GameCube, and you tilt the entire GameCube to play <laughs> it on the what? screen. Why? Because well, I'm sure people just why would they to, do it like that? People just found that they were like, I wonder if you can do this on the GameCube, and did it, and they were just having the time of their lives. It's great. Man, that's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> Man. Okay, so um, party games have always been sort of confusing to me. Um, you know, we got Mario Party, the obvious. One, because it says party in the name. But then we have more nuanced ones like Melee. Uh, my buddy Amari says Melee is a is a party game. I don't know. I feel like party has dumbed down uh, the definition for a couple of genres and games. Like I feel like in some ways party is synonymous with minigame collection. Like Mario Party or Wii Party or... 
uh, family fun, 30 friendly party games or whatever it's called for the Wii U that <laughs> PBG did a video on. Uh, <laughs> like that I'd say is hundred percent. That is what most people think of when they think of party game, Sonic shuffle. Um, uh, but then we get to like competitive games that are accessible and fun, like super smash brothers. And when something can be a party game, I feel like people start questioning whether it can be anything else. Like, there's always that debate, is Smash a fighting game? Does it deserve two spots at Evo every year? Like, <laughs> it's, it's like what I said earlier. Games can be more than one genre. Like, Smash Bros, for me, it's a, it's a fun party game I like to mess around with. I think, I, I think it's fun to just get on there and mess around with Dr. Mario, Dark Pit, and uh, Ness, who are the characters I play. You're and those, disgusting. That's the thing. Despicable, a, I'm telling you. For a more hardcore player like you, Akil, or Amari, like, that's unspeakable. Smash is like a, a hardcore fighter. You gotta pick the best characters. You gotta practice. You gotta go online, hope hope there's no lag, and, and prove your medal in a, in a tournament <laughs> I, to the death. I'm not, I'm not that hardcore about it. If I'm playing, I'm playing for fun. Unless it's with Amari, because he's just, mm, he's just really hard to fight with. But, um... Usually I'm just I'm just playing for fun unless someone says, "Oh, I'm the best at Smash." Then I just play Mario and whip them. That's easy. Yeah, I think I feel like games can be different things to different people. Like I remember when I was playing Overwatch, I was I was not in that for the shooting at all. I was in that for the for the characters and the world. And then I realized, <laughs> "Wait a minute. If I don't want to play the game, why did I buy the game and buy PlayStation right. Plus for it?" So I stopped and I uh I kept up with the with the lore for a little while. I watched there's there's a cinematic like, uh, movie like trailer things they do for each character. Right. I love those, but like I don't I could I could not care less about the game. Like oh yeah. man, uh, Bastion sure is a, a really overpowered. Uh, I could care less. Yeah, I I like Overwatch. Um, not as a competitive thing. I don't think it should be played competitively. I mean it, it's a fun game and. Riot, I said Riot, oops. Uh, Blizzard has spent too much time trying to balance it so much that it's lost its magic for me. Because I used to be able to hook people as Roadhog and just, just give them hell, you know? But now it's now it's balanced and not fun. Yeah, multiplayer games, I feel like, need to have a lot of things getting in the way from having them be really fun for me. But that's a bit of a bit of a tangent. Hmm. Okay, okay, um, what, what about, about Metroidvania? Oh boy, let me get started talking about those. Metroidvanias. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know you're waiting for that. Okay, so here's the here's the big debate. Uh if Akil is listening to this, he's gonna get mad at me. Uh <laughs> Batman Arkham Asylum and Metroid Prime are both Metroidvanias. I will fight you on okay. that. Let's Tell go. Me why. Because the definition of a Metroidvania the, the defining factor, to me at least, is the backtracking. The, the backtracking. Like, you have to, like, find... You, you're exploring this world, right? And you need right. to locate areas where you can still... Where you can explore. But there are areas you're going to come across you naturally can't explore yet. Where there are, and you know there's going to be a reward or progression in that area. So you, know, so you have to right. think cognitively i need to go back here when i have xyz item and when you can it's rewarding that when you can go back and when you remember 
I can use this now and you are rewarded, that is more sad. That is satisfying. That is the definition. That is the defining trait of a Metroidvania to me. It's not that it's 2D. It's not that there are enemies to fight. It's not that, well, I'd say that building a, co- okay, a cohesive world goes along with that very well. And isolation is definitely uh, one of the one of the defining factors for many people, but I don't think it needs that. But I feel like... Yeah, why, why is the isolation... That doesn't make any sense to me either. Um, I feel like but, it can that that genre is is very good at pulling off isolation, and my favorite games ever are very very isolationist. But it just, I feel like it doesn't have to be like a. Let me think of a Metroidvania that isn't very Monster Tail for the DS. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Krantz lent that game to me as a kid, and I love that. It's a it's a Metroidvania uh, where you are this little girl named Ellie, and you are you're trapped in the monster world, right? And you have this, you, a little ways into the game, you meet this little monster guy uh, named Chomp. And he floats around, uh, and he, kill, he helps you kill enemies. And he's, he's, he chills out on the bottom screen, and you can, like, pet him and give him food and stuff. And, like, that was a Metroidvania, and it, wasn't, it was a, as Metroidvania as you can get. It was 2D. It was a, it was a game about getting power-ups and backtracking, and it didn't have to be isolationist. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, what's, your, what's your favorite of the genre? Metroidvania? Do you even have to ask? Super Metroid, dude. Yeah, I didn't have to ask, but they want to know, so... (laughs) Let me be frank. Super Metroid is the best game ever! Okay, but you haven't played Hollow Knight yet. I... you... Because that game is great. Like, I like Super Metroid as a game, just a game, but I just don't like the environment at all. And Hollow Knight is pretty much... That's not. I, I got. I got. I, it's my favorite game ever, dude. You got to You got to be specific if you want to critique it in front of me. Like, what? What do you mean by the environment? The entirety of the environment. Like, I don't like the being in space, and I don't like the isolation, and I don't like the way the monsters look, and I don't like the guns. I don't like the power ups. I. I don't like the style. As a game, it plays fine, and it's kind of satisfying to jump up and shoot stuff. This is like far away and trying to. Uh, I can't explain this without showing you with my hands, but I'm talking with my hands right now. Like when you're Metroid, Metroid and like there's when a you're Metroid bouncy. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> when you're Samus and there's like a bouncy, uh, a flying boy, and you jump up and shoot, and it just like just right hits it like as it's coming down. It's really satisfying, but I j- I don't like the space isolation thing. I I don't like that very much at all. You know what I do like though? I like Hollow Knight. <laughs> It's really cute, and it's really dark, and, like, it's not totally isolated. It's isolated mostly, but, like, then you come across some really cute characters that you get to meet, like the shopkeepers who go back to the top, and you can go back to them and talk to them and stuff. It's really cool. It's, like, that perfect in-between total isolation and, oh, hey, there's that guy again. It's really it's satisfying. It's rewarding. I feel like some, some games can do, uh, like, like, meeting a character in, a, in an isolating game, but... I don't know, I do definitely need to pick up Hollow Knight if it's anything like the internet or you say it is. Because it, it yeah, seems I, like it would be right up my alley. And from, from what I, I've seen... I don't even like Metroidvanias. I hate backtracking and all of that. But Hollow Knight, is, it's so, it feels so good when you finally beat that boss, get that stupid dash move, and then go back to the fungus place. Okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Uh, I personally <laughs> have never been to a fungus place. But uh, uh, yeah, speaking of backtracking, that is... That is a contentious thing uh, in games. Uh, my opinion on it is that I think it can be good when done well. When it isn't 
constantly forced on the player when the player when the player backtracks because they think they should, not because the game demands it. And of course, sometimes I'm playing a game and I and I completely am hypocritical about that because like Kingdom Hearts One, you have to backtrack in that game all the time, and it's it's out of pure desperation. And I I love that game. I love that feeling. But but I feel like in some games, while I am generally <coughs> more tolerant, Skyrim. <coughs> Well, I'm generally more tolerant of backtracking uh, in in games than I think the average person. I do think there are some games that I just draw the line. Banjo-Tooie! Bethesda, if you're listening, stop with that, please. It's I hate it. So, High Hrothgar is at the very top of a mountain on these things called the 7,000 Steps. And when you first do it, it's like really cool because you're like, Wow, I wonder what's at the top. I've never been here before, and you're going up there, and you got to fight some wolves. And then a troll jumps down, and trolls are really hard when you're level 3. Trolls are really hard to fight. And then you finally beat the troll, and you get up there, and it's this giant tower. And it looks beautiful, and it has giant doors. And you get in there, and there's these old dudes who can't even talk to you because it would kill you because they're so strong. It's so cool to be up there. But then... You have to do their stupid missions. You go back and forth and back and forth. And the magic of being at High Hrothgar and seeing the tall towers and big doors, just, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, it's like, oh, gotta be here again. Especially with the fact that, you know, you've got fast travel, so it's just there and back. You don't even get to appreciate it anymore. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, you have, you have fast travel in Skyrim. You know a game you don't have yeah. fast travel in? Well, that's sort of a lie. But, anyway, Banjo-Tooie, I... I don't despise Banjo Tooie. I dislike Banjo Tooie heavily. You don't mind if I go off on a tangent, do you? Because uh, Josh yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Josh doesn't know anything about the Banjo series, even though he should, because it's a great <laughs> game. Uh, I'm going to play Banjo Kazooie eventually. I'm going to play it with you, and I'm going to critique everything you do. Um, but Banjo Tooie decided to throw in a ton of backtracking elements to try to make the world feel more cohesive, which I think is like an admirable, like admirable thing to do. Right? You want to make the world feel more cohesive. And in some ways, they do succeed with that. Like, the atmosphere is just so much thicker. The characters are more interesting. Like, there's, like, a gay pirate man. There's a, there's a <laughs> sea captain who, uh, who's, like, a secret rare gag. He's like, um, I was, I was going to be the star of a game, but then I was, I was kicked out of my spot by a, by a bear and a bird! Which is actually what happened at Rare. They were going to make a game about a pirate. And then they were like, well, let's make it about a bear and a bird instead. And that's how, that's how Banjo-Kazooie came, came to be. <laughs> but the problem with Banjo-Tooie is the fact that you're supposed to spend so much time in this world wandering around aimlessly in a game series where the only other entry was one where you were constantly oh. rewarded just for existing. Like, Banjo, like, it's like Mario Odyssey has more in common with Banjo-Kazooie than it does Mario 64. It's, it's a game, Banjo-Kazooie was a game that like, re- was constantly rewarding you just for doing basic things. Walking around, notes are just in your path. It's like Thank you for playing the game. Have a fun time. Collecting feels good, right? In Banjo, in Banjo Tooie, you get your notes like quickly shoved at you at the beginning of every world. There is not a single world in Banjo Tooie where I did not have all the notes in under twenty minutes because they put them in groups of five instead of just one being worth one. So there are only twenty notes in every world. So you have like there's like no fun when you're walking around each world. Because there's nothing to collect that's Looking meaningful. Looking for four stacks of papers. What? Sorry? Four stacks of papers? Yeah, you said they're in groups of five, so that you're really only looking for four things. 
well, what do you mean? No, there's there's hundred notes in every world. Oh, I thought you said there were twenty. In, and okay, never no, there's mind. twenty bunches of notes, bunches of five notes in every world. Um, oh, okay. Got so it. that that's a fifth of how many notes were in each world in the first game because there, each note was worth one. And some might argue right. that well, having notes being groups of five means that you don't ever you aren't ever missing one note, but missing one note was never a problem in the original because you didn't need you only needed like 800 of the 900 notes to beat the game. But anyway, that's a tangent. Uh, so Banjo-Tooie is a game where you aren't rewarded for being in the world, and it's a game that expects you to be in the world for so much longer than its predecessor does. It's a game about mindlessly wandering back and forth across multiple levels, doing doing side quests. Like, the, the jiggies in Banjo-Tooie feel like side quests from a D-tier Zelda game, instead of in, as opposed to in the original, where they felt like just rewards for you playing. Like, if there's a high place in the original game, there's a jiggy up there, obviously, because you want to climb up there. You want to go up there. It's a natural thing you want to do, and the game designers knew that, and they put rewards up there so that you could be rewarded. And Benjo Tui, there's a, there's a person up there who says, okay, so I, I lost uh, my three uh, MacGuffin statues, right? Uh, there's one uh, at the bottom of the mountain. Uh, there's one uh, in World Two, uh, and this is World Four. So you gotta you gotta walk out of the world uh, and backtrack down the World Two, and then come back up. Uh, and then <laughs> oh yes, I lost my stuff. Here's exactly where Here's it exactly is. Exactly where it is. <laughs> exactly. I have I have this problem with Skyrim. The whole forcing you to want to enjoy the world thing. I used to love Skyrim. I have well over four hundred hours of it. So I'm I'm allowed to critique critique this game. Okay. So, I'm in Whiterun, right? I go up to this girl, what's her name, Yazolda, whatever, and I'm, like, level two. And she's like, hey, go get me a mammoth tusk. There's, like, tons all over the place, and she tells you where one is exactly. Then you have to walk all the way out there, because, like, it's so, it's just barely out of the way that it's annoying. And then... In the area that it's in, there's nothing interesting there. Like, it's literally, it's like no man's land. It's it's just plains and, like, a tiny river and a bunch of mammoths and giants. And you go in there, and you're like, oh, this is easy. It's just an animal. You try and get it, and you die. And it's, it's, it's like, why, why even bother with that at the beginning of the game in the first place? Which... It kind of took your whole making you explore the world thing and then went off to a separate tangent of my own. But, you know, it's I, I get what you mean. The forcing you to want to do stuff for no reason. Yeah, this, this uh, podcast went from uh, talking about uh, game genres to complaining about Banjo-Tooie and Skyrim. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot to say about Skyrim. Gosh, I used to I used to love that game, but now that I've discovered everything, it it's probably because I've played it too much, but I mean, when you first play it, there's there's so much to discover. You can never play a game too much in in my eyes. Like if a game is is still enjoyable the 97th time through, I feel like that's just a testament to how good it is. Like I've beaten Banjo-Kazooie like hmm. I think I'm on my 5th playthrough right now i've beaten sonic 2 and sonic 3 like at least 50 times each like and they still they stay fun and that's the thing about good, good re- replayable games i love games that i can just replay because they're satisfying to replay i don't like games that that pad themselves out with like a bunch of just extra 
extra content that just doesn't need to be there. Like Final Fantasy Fifteen, I couldn't even beat that game. I got to like, I got to like the part where you're on the train and Ignis is blind, and I'm like, I'm just done with this, man. Because it's either do a story that's uninteresting and like with some of the worst lip sync ever, or party around the interesting part, doing with your with your with the Backstreet Boys, just partying around, being chill, doing the combat, but just doing a bunch of meaningless side quests, and it's just like. Well, see, here's the thing about Skyrim in that sense. It it doesn't necessarily pad itself in a boring way. It just, like, you can play it too much and burn yourself out because there's so many interesting things in Skyrim. I've just done them all, so doing them again and knowing it, it's like, oh, yeah, she's going to do this. And it's cool the first few times to me. It's probably because I'm not as patient, but it's cool to me the first few times. Then after a while, it gets boring. But, like... When I first played through Skyrim and finished the entirety of the main quest and finally beat Alduin and he like burned up and fell apart and then I got sent back to where I was, I thought about it for a second and I was like, wow, that was really, really stupid. What even? And then, because the main plot makes no sense, um, by the way. And then you go off and you can do the assassins thing and the thieves thing and the warriors thing and the 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 wizards thing and then the DLC has the vampire thing and the the other dragonborn thing which made which was way more coherent than the actual main story. I feel like that should have been the main story in my in my opinion. But like there's so many interesting things in Skyrim that are better than the main story. So I I think that's where Skyrim really shines is like you can do the main story and think that's cool and all that, but then when you're done there's like other stuff that stands out even more than the main story so it it makes you want to go out and do that other stuff yeah that's so, that's that's ultimately the the bread and butter of the elder scrolls games it's not the combat it's not the story it's the going out and exploring right that's what they were revered for is having the most explorable open worlds ever yeah yeah, yeah. that's I why like oblivion every... the most because it's it's rewarding um i haven't played a single I have, one. I have, I have a bit of an issue with, with open world games <laughs> where um traveling can be a pain skyrim again has this issue um when you're trying to get from point a to point b it's not very rewarding at all especially when you can just fast travel afterward but in oblivion everything you do gives you a point in something like if you jump enough times then you get a point in acrobatics and if you if you keep walking if you just walk you get athletics points so something as little as that can make traveling an open world better and then Breath of the Wild did good with their open world travel because they have, one, the fast traveling that made sense. It wasn't just poof, teleport, and then do a time lapse thing. You actually are sucked into the thing and then dropped into yeah, the, dropped shrine. In the shrine. Cause it, it's cause really the, cool. The Sheikah Slate was linked with the shrines. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've also got the gliding and the climbing. And, and, I think and movement. the best part. And what? The best way to move is uh, stasis travel, where you, uh, you oh. stasis a rock and just <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I that's I love that game. It's pretty good. I have my Switch again so I can play that. <laughs> yeah, I, um, uh truth be told right before I was doing this podcast, I was uh, I was messing around. I'm on my second playthrough. I'm trying to beat it with uh only getting the heart pieces from the divine beasts and doing all my other shrines into stamina uh for a challenge game. <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Dang it, Josh, why'd you have to why'd you have to get on? I don't want to record. I want to play Breath of the Wild more." <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but uh, speaking of open worlds, some some argue that open worlds have become the de facto, basic, obvious cash-in genre of the eighth console generation, and I, 
I'm not sure. No. I, I disagree with that. Whoever said that is wrong. I love Mass Effect, but I hate Andromeda so much. I love Mass Effect. I, I grew up with Mass Effect, dude. I mean, not really, but, like, kind of. Because my brother, my stepbrothers had it, and I played it, and then I, like, secretly took their copy of Mass Effect 1 and didn't tell them. And then played through the whole thing, and then watched playthroughs of the other Mass Effect. I love Mass Effect, but then Andromeda was like, Hey, we're going to make it open world, and you're going to do a bunch of stupid stuff with cutscenes in between every, every single, single thing. thing. And I, I hate it. I've been saying that every game became good when it became open world. I'm saying that publishers are now, instead of making linear uh, action set piece heavy first person shooters, they've shifted to making open world games that have hundreds of hours of content in them. And I feel you like. You know what started it? What? Fallout 4. Really? No, well, Fallout 3 was the first. Oh, actually, no. Every Fallout. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about this trend in the eighth generation. Fallout 4 did it because they decided to mainstream the shooting. So developers were like, the, the shooter guys, they were like, huh, they did shoot it, probably the Mass Effect team actually. They saw this and they're like, huh, they did a shooter game and open world at the same time. How about we do a shooter game and open world at the same time? And both of those games sucked. Well, Fallout 4 didn't suck, but... If you want to argue that, you got to say, not what about like... Good. Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, they were both open worlds of shooter elements. Yes, but the difference is the game's, the game's gameplay focus wasn't the shooting. The focus of the game was leveling up certain skills so that you could hack into stuff and lockpick doors, and you could break a bat over someone's head. You don't even have to shoot. You can, you can go melee and punching the whole game and actually win. In Fallout 4, you can't do that. You have to, you have to shoot. Shooting is the best way to win the game. Any other game is any other style of play in that game is frustrating and bland, and I, I hate it. it. Do you know I, about, uh, I don't, don't like, like that game, game at all. Do you know about H Bomber guy? Because he's a he's a YouTuber, and he made a an hour and a half long video about why he hates Fallout Three, and I think you'd like it. Fallout Three. I mean, I love New Vegas too. I don't hate Fallout Three. I don't get why people hate Fallout Three. I mean, it's not nearly as good as Fallout New Vegas, but like. It was a stepping stone, you know? Like, it's the first time that... Well, it's not the first time that anything. It's just that, it, you know, their team, Obsidian, decided to be with Bethesda and, you know, make a good game. And it was a, it was a solid game. I, I, have, I had fun in it the first time I played it. It has no replay value, unfortunately. But New Vegas is... Mm, New Vegas is a masterpiece, dude. What, about, what do you mean, uh, made a good game? I thought Fallout 1 and 2 were supposed to be good. I mean, they're good, but Fallout Three is better, in my opinion. It's it's probably just because I I'm I'm very visually engaged in things, and I don't like the way the camera sits in Fallout One and Two, which is awkward to me. And then it's like a the way it is. It it's kind of like the mm, it's kind of like Hotline Miami, except. Like, like isometric down, down by, by another, another 90 degrees yeah, that's I, how it isometric. looks isometric that's it that's the word and it's it's awkward i uh, i have to hate isometric games by law that's like my defining characteristic super mario <laughs> rpg bad game um paperboy for the nes terrible game uh mega man battle network oh god bad game amari don't get mad amari please Please, I'm, I'm just a little boy, Amari. I just, I just don't like it when I, when I can't judge depth perception in, in a platformer. 
yeah, it's it's frustrating. I don't I don't like the isometric part of the game. And I, people are probably going to be like, "Well, you're too into graphics and how it looks." But Fallout 3 looks awful. I mean, I mean, that's because it's old, and they're, that's because everything in the seventh generation was going for hyper-realistic graphics, and that made them age terribly. Okay, old. but Fallout New Vegas also looks... Aw- well, they look the same, actually. But, I mean, it looks awful, so that that proves my point that I'm not totally, like, visually... Uh, I, I don't play a game just for the graphics. I just prefer being able to be in the world and, like, totally... In the world, I feel like I'm in it when I'm in Fallout 3 in New Vegas because you're looking through your players' eyes or like right above them. But in in one and two, you're you're at a distance. Yeah, because you know? they're like they're like it's not as intimate. They're not supposed to be intimate though. I feel like they're supposed to be strategy games, right? They're like a they're like a I want to build my numbers. I want to build my character in a specific way. I want. Well, the to, first two were. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The first two, they're games about building your character in a specific way. Uh, maxim- I think you can do teams of characters, like building your teams, getting the right weapons. Uh, prioritizing what you want to do, because what and what you do want to do, and what you don't want to do, because they're on the timer. At least one of them is, because you need to get the water chip within thirty days, and like you need uh, you need to prioritize doing what you want to do, what you think is important, and you know taking risks. Like, can I can I squeeze this in? At least that's right. that's my that's my uh, perception of them. I've never yeah, actually played them. That is how they are for the most part, and. When they converted to Fallout 3 in New Vegas, they didn't lose any of this, but they also told their stories better. Uh, Fallout 3 was a tad weak, in my opinion, as far as the story, because it was like, Oh no, my daddy ran away. Oh no, he's actually over here treating water. Oh no, I killed the girl who I love's dad on accident, but not really. I didn't have a choice. Oh! But then when you finally leave, you can blow up a city if you want. Um, and you can you can kill some rad squirt. The, the main story in Fallout 3 is, like, the weakest point. But, like, you know, it has very little replay value other than the story. So I, that's probably why people dislike Fallout 3 so much. But, you know, it's a stepping stone. I don't get why you hate it. And then Fallout New Vegas fixed all of its issues. So just play that one instead, instead of wasting energy hating on Fallout 3. Fair point. Fair point. Hey, remember when? Remember when? Uh, this podcast was about game genres. Oh yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, what's next up on the list? Um. <laughs> um. Yeah, we did shooters, RPGs, party, Metroidvanias. We kind of talked about platformers. We kind of talked about adventure, except we didn't use the word adventure. We used open world. But oh, there are on. adventure games that aren't. Hang on. Really hang, open on world. hang on. Hang on. Hang on. We have very different uh, definitions of adventure games. If open world means adventure, because no, 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 I didn't say all adventures were open world. I just corrected that. <laughs> so to me, the adventure genre is ham taro, ham ham heartbreak. It is it is day of the tentacle. It is the nonviolent, puzzle solving, brain taxing, weird puzzles, nonviolent game. Yeah, that's that's what I that's at least from what I had been on the internet as a kid. That that is. That is what adventure meant. If you wanted mm, a game... I, I don't think the uh, the whole puzzle thing has to be a part of it. I mean, it can be, and that can... Like, Legend of Zelda is a great example. I feel like nowadays, uh, the adventure genre is just sort of referred to as point-and-click, because most of them were point-and-click games for the PC, like Grim mm-hmm. Fandango and all that. But adventure is just such a... 
a loose term. I don't feel like that's a genre. At least I've never heard it. I mean, that's that's fair. I put it on this list kind of reluctantly, but when I when I put adventure, I was more. Most of the games I was thinking of were open world, but then I also had Legend of Zelda in mind, and like you said, Hamtaro. Um, okay, I I have one last discussion question. Um, what makes a good platformer? All right, so the platformer genre is probably my favorite because I feel like yeah, it's probably it's uh, Metroidvania. I feel like generally they are generally platformers. So I'd, I'd say normally I can classify them as that. The only Metroidvania I've ever played that wasn't really focused on platforming but still had platforming elements was Batman Arkham Asylum. And that is my favorite Arkham game. Uh, uh, fight me on that. That is the best Mine one. Mine as well. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. We could, I, could, I could do a whole, whole hour-long review on that game. I love it. Um, <laughs> probably will one day if I ever, ever actually have the self-confidence and or the dedication to make my own YouTube channel a thing. But anyway, that that's not important. Uh, I'd say, yeah, platforming is generally my, my genre of choice. Like, a, I think it's the game genre I put the most uh, amount of time into. And there's a that's big, fair. There's a very, very big difference between 3D and 2D platformers. Man, they are, they are, they are different genres entirely, at least to me, because that's they also play fair. so differently. Like, you can get... A similar feel to a 2D game in a 3D game, like with Crash Bandicoot or uh, shoot, what's something? What's something else? It's like, oh, like Pac-Man World, uh, the, the one for the. PS1. Oh, I love, I have Pac-Man World too on I've my heard, PlayStation too. I've heard those games are great. Uh, well, a YouTuber I follow did a uh, retrospective re- reviewing all of them, and I heard they were great. But uh, I just know that one's a linear 3D platformer. But like, most 3D platformers are a lot more non-linear and uh, collectathony and. Uh, more open to freedom of expression than a uh, a 2D platformer is. A 2D platformer can be a lot a lot tighter. Like I just I just finished. Well, I haven't finished it yet. I I'm on the final boss of uh, Donkey Kong Country 2, uh, and that is one of the tightest, most technical, uh, most challenging games ever created. And it's just a 2D platformer where where you can roll, uh, jump, throw your teammates, uh, and turn into animals, and that's it. And they just squeeze so much out of that. Because the platformer is such a pure, just video gamey, arcadey, perfect example of what a video game is. It's just, it's just really fun. You know? I, I need to snag Mario Odyssey. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it this weekend, probably. I think I'll just buy it as soon as I get done recording this. I could, I could, I will definitely, if I ever do do a YouTube, I will definitely do a 3D Mario series slash retrospective, because I have a lot to say about those games. Those are, those are some oh. of the... I hate aspects. Sunshine. I don't despise Sunshine. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's definitely Because I hate one. the water thing. Oh, yeah, I, I, you have that I dumb, hate Flood. You have that dumb like, grudge against Flood, because it's, it's, it's a water jetpack. It's too easy to me. Like, you can... There's so much magic lost. Like... They took, okay, Mario Odyssey did it way better, having the extra, you know, pal to help you move around and stuff. Uh, Flood, you bounce off a wall, then you jetpack to wherever you're going, which is boring to me. You, the movement is just boring. I, I think it's cool how you can put the water on the ground and then slide across it. That's pretty awesome. But I don't, I don't like the fact that you can just cheat your way out of a lot of stuff just by hovering, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I feel like the game was 
more or less designed around that. The platforms were generally uh, more spaced apart, and whenever they wanted you to do tight platforming, they took Float away. That's one of the problems, I think, with the game, is that Mario it's is lazy. Neutered. What? No, Mario is neutered uh, when Flood is taken away. It's not like... In Odyssey, he feels, he feels like he's just lost some of his potential. He still, he still has everything he could do in 64. Like, you can still dive, you can still roll, you can jump, you can do it all, you can backflip. Mario without Flood just feels so clunky and, like, awkward, and the stages don't feel built around him in Sunshine, in my, in Which my opinion. Which is why I hate it so much. It should be, like, the when you get rid of Flood, it should be like 64. It should still feel good, but it doesn't. It, I hate it so much. Even as poorly as 64 has aged in some areas, I'd say it's still one of the best games ever. And I agree it still with controls that. real good. It controls real good as long as you aren't playing the DS version. And of course, this is this is just a, this is like a, a meme now. Like, it's a 3D platformer you play with a D-pad. There's going to be yeah. an issue there. It's not as bad as you think. It's not like Tomb Raider for the PS1 where you're moving on a grid. Uh, it's like it's more like a it's like a your turning is neutered. Uh, it's like you'll be running in a straight line and you have to hammer the, the D-pad to turn at all. <laughs> like 64. Yeah, I, is like, I never played. I mean, I played the DS version a bit. But not very much. Yeah, sixty four is the the sixty four version is way smoother. It's it's obviously less graphically intensive, and like has more glitches. You know and what bugs. they should do? They should revamp it on the Switch. They should just, I mean, they kind of did. No, or have, you know about this, the the ending of Odyssey, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the secret. They, I'm kind of mad about that actually, because uh, they kind of screwed too. up the, the defining aspect of Peach's Castle for me, which is the fact I, that uh, I don't. That's not why I'm upset. <laughs> why are you upset? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say I was disappointed. I mean, I haven't played it yet, but I'm, I was disappointed by the fact that there weren't... You can't go into Peach's Castle and see paintings and then go and do the do the 64 levels. That would have been an awesome uh, ending that, to an awesome that, that was what I was expecting because Charlie told me he... The spoiling little... Uh, he's like, oh, at the end of the game, you get to go to Peach's Castle and... uh. Toadette gives you stars, and you can jump into paintings and fight bosses. And I was like, dude, I want to fight King Babam again. That'd be awesome. I was like, oh. Yeah. It's just a harder version of the bosses I've already faced. And the castle, the castle isn't even interconnected, which the, the Peach's Castle uh, is the best hell world in any video game ever. It was the first one, and it was the best. Uh, yes. Fight me. <laughs> I have to say that after everything. I agree. <laughs> that is, that I is agree. The, that is the best hub world in gaming ever. And the best thing about it is that it's interconnected and explorable. You know what they did in Odyssey? They made it five separate rooms. Yeah, that's, that's what, what, frustrating. The entire point is gone. And if you're going to do a nostalgic throwback, you want to you highlight the best parts of the thing you're throwing back to, not, not like completely changing it. I mean, the music that plays there just makes me melt inside because it's awesome. But aside from that, uh, Mushroom Kingdom was a bit of a disappointment. Oh, except for Yoshi on the roof. That was, that was perfect. I love that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. I get to capture Yoshi, yes. Yeah, yeah but, like, like, imagine that those levels with, with Cappy. Like, the bomb bomb level and, you know, the... Oh, you could be a bomb You could be a chain chomp, and that's how they do the star. You, you Instead of, like, uh, ground-pounding the chain chomp, you just capture him and do him into the wall. Or, like, yeah. uh, Mario wings to the sky. How do, You have to capture, like... What if you could capture a klepto? Dude, that would be awesome. 
Yeah, and you wouldn't have to, when you get a star, you wouldn't go back to the hub world. Now that it's Mario Odyssey and you can do everything, you can just go in the bomb world, jump around for a couple hours and get everything. <laughs> An hour. I don't think it would take a couple hours to do that if you know what you're doing. Okay, okay. So, big controversial opinion uh, incoming. Uh, All right. I think one of the best parts of Mario 64 is the fact that it throws you out of every level once you get a star. Um, that's a good place to end. <laughs> what, is that just the end? You just cut out? <laughs> I don't even get a chance to explain myself. No, no, like, no, no, no. Keep, keep going. So, like, the thing about Mario 64 is that it, it's very, it embraces freedom way more than any other game that Miyamoto has ever made. Because Mi- Miyamoto and I have had a bit of, fall- have had a bit of a falling out after, uh, he uh, destroyed my heart with Star Fox Zero uh, and his just <laughs> a general lack of understanding of what makes games fun with games like Skyward Sword or Twilight Princess. But uh, anyway, uh, Mario 64 was really free. It let you do whatever you want. The only like gateways to progression were you need 12 stars, uh, you need 30 stars, you need 50 stars, and you need 70 stars. You can get any stars in the entire castle in whatever order you want, it doesn't matter. And I think the fact that the game throws you out of every level is a testament to that freedom. Because the game designers knew you might not want to do every star in every level. You might want to go to a different level now. You might want to, uh, you might want to uh, go grab that hidden star you, you thought you could do. You might have thought oh. of a new way to get a, a different star that you, that you had to skip before. Like, I, I like that. It, and plus, it puts an emphasis on Mario's that, movement. Because if you want... That's cool. If you want to stay in one level, it means you're going to have to get good at maneuvering Mario in that level, right? Because every time you get kicked out, you start from the beginning, and you want—you obviously want to get to your destination faster, so you want to master all of Mario's different moves, which is one of the best aspects of 64 to me, is that Mario's moves, it's like a fighting game. There's so much depth and nuance, and they all string together, and like they all feel natural, but they all feel complex, and it's just awesome and i love that the game gives you the opportunity to master them i'm not saying every mario game should ha- let kick you out of every level i think odyssey is a spectacular game even though it doesn't kick you out of every level even though it lacks a little bit of that freedom but i feel like that freedom and that focus on movement specifically getting good at maneuvering in each level was the defining lightning in a bottle aspect of 64 I like that. You've brought a new perspective to my life, bud. <laughs> of course, uh, the internet probably won't see it that way. They'll probably be like, oh my gosh, you have a different opinion than me. Get out, get out, get out. <laughs> yeah, that's probably how it is. But, you know, you can do that if you want. It's it, it's always an open discussion. So, you know, tell us what you think in the comments. Um, if you like it, then please like it because that shows me that you want to see more of this kind of stuff um yeah thanks thanks for listening and watching and whatevering wherever you are don't forget uh, to smash that like button subscribe to that notification bell and and uh, g- give us money on patreon yep i forgot about that i have a patreon now <laughs> um um just there's yeah pay me <laughs>